This is Healing for the Nations with Pastor Carl Lewis. This program is designed to help you build your faith in God's Word, receive His healing delivering power, and experience God's best in every area of your life. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of what you may be facing, His Word and power are available to you today. Continuing our theme of change your mind, change your life, we're going to look at some things the Apostle Paul had to say about this transformation process that the believer in Christ, the disciple, is meant to undergo in order to experience God's best in our lives. And so again, just for the sake of review, I want to look at that definition we started off with, the word repents. We're saying the power of repentance, and that word repentance is a very key word that we see throughout the New Testament. And we said it means to change one's mind. We broke down those two words, change and mind. So change meaning to change or put your mind on, take it off one thing and put it onto another thing, uh, to change one's clothing, to change seats, uh, a change of color, um, let's say uh, to alter, to make different, to replace. We looked at the word mind, which means to what you bring your mind, bring to your mind, what one thinks upon, what you pay attention to, uh, the state of your thinking, what you direct your attention and mind towards. So turning one's thoughts and attention from one thing and placing it onto something else. What you set yourself to do and obey. So all of that is involved in the changing, the transformation of your mind. So when Jesus said at the beginning, we started this series by talking about in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where Jesus, it says, he began to proclaim, he began to declare, he began to say, repent or change your mind, change your manner of thinking, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the thing is this, experiencing the kingdom of heaven, experiencing God's best in our life, what necessity, what's important, we've got to change our mind if we're going to experience God's best. We're going to have to take our mind off what it's been preoccupied on for many years for many of us and put it onto some things new. We're going to have to undergo and allow ourselves to be taught God's word, continually hearing what he has to say about us with respect to our lives, our minds, our bodies, our relationships, our finances. There's new ways of thinking which we must subject ourselves to and set our minds on in order to experience heaven's best. Why? Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God's will, the reason why we've been born again, the reason why we have access to, to, to a relationship with God is God says this, the, the life I live in heaven, I want you to experience it while you're here in the earth. Most people's concept of the new birth of being born again, of being what we call a Christian, is well, I'll, I'll, I'll get my sins forgiven. And then when I die, I get to go to heaven. Well, God's plan is much bigger than that. It's that you will have heaven on earth while you're here on the earth. That's his plan. And so part of that includes we've got to change our mind. Again, change your mind, change your life, and experience the power of what real repentance is. And that's what we've been talking about. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Going to go back to verse 14 and start there. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and the conviction 
that if Christ died for one, so that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for the one who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human point of view and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. This is a great scripture. Now what does this mean? What does this uh, scripture um, challenge us? in terms of our thinking. We're talking about we've got to change our mind because the way we change our mind or the degree to which we change our mind to conform to God's thinking is the degree to which our life will be changed to reflect the goodness of the kingdom of God and to look like heaven wants us to be. But it tells us this, is we've got to change the way we think. We've got to change our focus in regards to our flesh. In other words, what we value what we consider most in our lives must no longer be our natural flesh, our natural color, our natural culture, if you will. Now, how do we see this? Because Paul says this, if you go back a little bit, he says, now, if Christ died for one, he died for all. So in God's eyes, he sees the entire human family. He sees them as one. He doesn't see them based and categorized by color. Now, think about this. He says, well, no, Christ died for all. Which means he wants you to think now, when you look at other people, regardless of color, regardless of culture, you as a believer, you cannot see them strictly according to their natural color. Or else they'll, you'll only relate to them according to color. For example, I'll stop in a, a few times this has happened to me, I'll be in the mall, I park my car, someone drives up to me, and they've got these uh, big speakers in the back of their car. And the thing is, is oftentimes they're assuming because I'm black, I listen to loud music. So they're, they, they're assuming that. They don't know me, but they assume that. So they make that estimation, that value, strictly based on one thing, my color. Now, the thing is, is we make other assumptions. You know, people say, well, because you come from a certain background, well, you must be this. You must like this kind of music. You must eat this kind of food. Well, some of that might be true, but you've got to understand, that's the lowest form of relating to people, is strictly by color and culture. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, listen, go on. Consequently, because Christ died for one, he died for all. So that means it's raised the human family up on the same level. And he says this now, consequently, from this point, we no longer estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards. And he says, we don't even look at Christ anymore that way. We not only look at him strictly that he was just a, a Jewish person. And that's interesting because oftentimes people will say, well, okay, well, because Jesus was, was born a Jew, it makes the Jewish person more important. Well, that's not what scripture teaches at, at all. And so so he's, because he says this, we don't see Christ anymore in terms of natural standards and value. It says not even though we once did 
estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him. See that? That we no longer view him in terms of the flesh. So that's why we say this, um, part of the challenge and maybe part of the tragedy of the church that we function in such a low level of knowledge of Christ that we've, we've basically related to one another on a strictly natural uh, basis. We've related to one another strictly in the, on the natural, strictly in terms of the flesh, strictly in terms of natural color and in terms of culture. For example, years ago, I went to a bookstore and it had, I know they're trying to cater to certain groups, but I noticed they said black gospel. Well, the thing is this, that's really a misnomer because there's no such thing as a black gospel. There's one gospel for the entire human race, the human, the human family, if you will. But the thing is this, what it was showing, it was showing the division that believers have had with respect, or the, the way they relate, the way we've been relating to one another, it's strictly in terms of color, in terms of our flesh, in terms of our culture. And Paul is saying here, we, that was how we started, that's what we, we, we related that way, but he says, we've gained such knowledge of Christ, we've gained such knowledge of who he is and what he did, and that he died for one, he died for all, we've gained such knowledge of who we are in him, that we no longer relate to you we no longer see ourselves also in terms of strictly from the human natural point of view. So read it again. He says now, again, consequently, from now on, I love that. So a time came from now on, we estimate, we regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value, not no, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. It says we no longer know him in terms of the flesh. Paul said this, he was saying this, I'm no longer estimating myself strictly as a Jewish person. He got to see himself on a higher level than that. He saw all the colors on one level but he started understanding who I am in Christ took a higher precedence. We'll look at another scripture to further reinforce that. This is very important. What is so much of the, the divisions in the world based on? Is it not based on color? Is it not based on background? Is it not based on natural culture? See, the reason why God told us to preach the gospel to every nation, every people group, is to get people to relate on a higher level the natural color and natural culture. It wants us to get much higher than that. And so if we don't, then you're really, we're being robbed of the power of the gospel. So again, Paul says this, we might have estimated people and understood that, but now, no, we no longer view Christ in terms of the flesh. And he was saying, we don't view each other from that standpoint either. Then he says, therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ, he is a new creature, a new creature altogether, a new creation. Now think about this. Was that new creation in his flesh, in his body? No. It's a new creation in his spirit. We talked about before from 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a physical body. So the thing is this, you're saying, you became a new creation. Your spirit got joined back to God. You're now a new creation in Christ. 
So based on that new creation, the new creation is, no, is not based on your flesh. It's not based on your color. It's not based on your culture. No matter how good that is, no matter how much pride you might have in that, the thing is this, you no longer relate strictly on that basis. It's, again, it's the lowest form of base. Paul said, I'm no longer basing my life on that. I no longer take pride and live according to the standards set up for my flesh. No, I've now lived a higher life than that. I now relate to people and fellow believers particularly on a higher level than that. Why? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is past and the new has come. I'm telling you, that is something that liberates you. So that's part of the thinking that must change. We must value and consider, consider that we're no longer focused strictly on our natural color and culture. So again, to relate to people purely from a natural point of view, from co natural color and culture, is a low level of relationship. And so God wants us to change our thinking the way we see fellow believers, particularly. The way we see people must be changed, must be transformed by, how, by, by our new birth experience. Now, I'm going to look at another one. Philippians chapter 3, because this is excellent, because it gives you further examples. Somebody might be saying, well, Carl, where do you get this stuff from? What are you saying? Is not my color, my culture important? Yeah, it's wonderful. But when you come into the kingdom of God, when you get born again, you need to change your mind so you start relating and thinking from a higher level, from a higher point of view, which is what the Apostle Paul is saying. See, if we don't, then you get caught up into this, all this color division. You get caught up into angst, you get caught up into stuff in the past, you get caught up into bitterness. You see, you get divided, it creates a lot of division, which is not the plan of God, and you'll step out of the love walk, which will hinder your faith in receiving from God. So Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read this. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. Look at that. So we have no confidence. Now notice this. He's no longer just speaking about himself, but he's now incorporating the entire body of believers in Philippi. He says, we have no confidence in the flesh. See, we worship God in the spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We know who we are in him. And as a result of our knowledge of who we are in him, it's impacted us to such a degree. We know who we are. We know who we are as spiritual creations in Christ Jesus that we don't have any more any confidence in the flesh. So I love that because it's shown there is a before and there's an after. Before there was confidence in the flesh, after there is no confidence in the flesh. Then he says this, it goes on further down, he says now he personalizes it. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof, he might trust in the flesh I more. So now he goes and says, now listen, this, this transformation I've experienced, where I no longer trust my Jewish flesh, I no longer trust my Jewish culture. That's not, I don't depend upon that anymore. And he says, now there's some of you listening, he says, well, you have great confidence in your culture, in your background. And now he says, listen, I come from such a stock, such a pedig pedigree, that if anyone could brag, if anyone could put their confidence first, let me just, let me just enumerate, let me just list to you my credits, what, you know, what my stop, my background, why I could have confidence. But he said, I've, tr I've chosen to trade all of that in because of what I've seen, who I am in Christ. Then he goes on, look what he says. 
circumcised, verse 5, the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Think about this. This guy was saying, listen, I've been obeying God's word. I'm at the top here. I'm at the top of the food chain. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, be made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Then he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I have been apprehended for Christ Jesus. So he says, I have no confidence in the flesh. I have no dependence on the flesh. I'm not depending any longer on what I have, what I what I what I inherited, what I came what I came into the world with, what I gained furthermore as a Jewish person. It says I have no confidence in that. I have no reliance on that. Now the word confidence means a belief or a feeling that you can do something well or succeed at something. See? Or a feeling that something is good or has the ability to succeed at something. It also means a reliability. So you rely on something, your confidence. Now some of you are saying, well, because your, your color, you've looked at your color, you've looked at your background, looked at all these things. And so if you're focused on that, according to the New Testament, according to these disciples, writers, they said this, the way you're going to experience the power of God, you cannot depend on that. Paul said this, I've experienced the power of God. My pursuit was God's power. My pursuit was not my color, was not my pursuit, was not my culture. My pursuit was not what I came into the world with or my flesh. I'm not depending on any of that. He said, I count all of that as nothing, as rubbish. Why? I'm pursuing the power that is found in my identity in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, one of the biggest breakthroughs the church of our Lord Jesus Christ needs to have in the earth today is understanding in Christ Jesus is where the power of God is. Now it tells us something else. If you elevate as a believer, as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, if you elevate your color, if you elevate your flesh, if you elevate your culture, your background, if you elevate that at the expense of the gospel, you will rob yourself of the power of God. In fact, you will experience very little of the power of God. So when you say, well, I don't see the goodness, I don't see the power of God, I don't see the miracle signs and wonders, one of the biggest reasons that's happened in the church in different parts of the world is this, is because the elevation of the flesh, the elevation of what you think your color is, you think your background is, you think your culture is, when you think you're better than this, better than that, and your color, background, culture has made you better, your tribe or wherever you come from, you've elevated that, it robs you of the power of God. Why? Because you, the two cannot be equal. You've got to sacrifice one. What did John the Baptist say? He said, 
E must increase, but I must decrease. What does Paul say here? Listen, I come from the highest stock of Israel. I'm proven to be one. Of, I mean, I was at the top when it comes. I was, I was the one called, and the, the high priest could use me to hunt down and track down and even kill Christians. But when I realized who the Christ was, listen, I put everything under. I put everything under the Lordship of Jesus. He says, I counted all of that but dung. I put it all of that was on the trash heap. I put all of that. I never depend on my color anymore. I'm not depending on my flesh anymore. I'm not depending on my culture anymore. So that's why, as a believer, we don't use our color as an excuse. You know, some, people might, some people might want you to do that, try to make provision because of my flesh. No, we can't, can't do that. See, we, we cater to a higher standard. We cater to the new creation who we are in Christ Jesus. Someone might not like my color, but that's their problem. But I'm not going by that. I'm going by who I am in Christ. Now, recognizing who you are in Christ opens your heart up so that you can love all people of all backgrounds, of all cultures, because you now see everyone through God's eyes. Why? You're no longer relating from this low level. You're relating from God's level. You're seeing yourself and you're seeing people the way God sees you and the way he sees them. So again, the church is robbed of her power when she depends on her natural ability and strength. Now, Galatians 2.20, this is a powerful one. What did Paul says? I am crucified with Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in my flesh. Look at that. In my body. Now, denying he has his body. Now, think about this. So, when you elevate your flesh, what you're saying is almost like someone elevating their suit. Elevating their suit of clothing. Making their clothing more important than who they really are. Think about that. No, your body is only what you live in while you're on this planet. You need a physical body. Now, it could be a, a brown body, a white body, a yellow body, a brown body. But see, the thing is this. It's a body. It's a suit, nonetheless. It clothes. It's a suit that clothes your spirit and your soul that you'll lay down if Jesus should tarry. He's coming. You'll lay down someday. So we don't put any confidence in our flesh. We put confidence in who we are in Christ. So the emphasis must be on who we are in Christ. Now let me close by saying this one. Galatians chapter 3. Now let me wrap this one up. This is really important. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 and 29 says this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. I'm telling you, make it part of your mind change today. You will never anymore from this day forward look at yourself strictly from the basis of your color, your culture, your natural flesh. You will focus on who you are in Christ and experience the true power of God. Regarding healing belongs to you, we've been saying, put in your mouth, healing is the children's bread, and as a child of God, healing belongs to you. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 24. My son, attend to my words. I'll do this a bit slow. It says, my son, attend, or pay attention. Pay attention to my words. So pay attention. So God's telling you and I, pay attention to his words. Pay attention to what he said. 
put your attention. Now, if he says pay attention to my words, he's saying then take your eyes, take your attention of what it's on, been on before, and pay attention to what, what I say about you. Which means you're going to have to find what God says about you. So thinking about this, in a sense then, you automatically don't know what, what is God's word if all you've been focusing on is what is not his word. So he said, now pay attention to what I've got to say. Pay attention to my words. So it means you need to seek out God's word. You need to find your Bible. Some of you might not have read your Bible for weeks and months or years. Find out what that word says. Get, find at the right church. Get under a good pastor who can teach you God's word and teach you the ways of God and teach you how to live by faith and walk in love and, and be, become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that pastoral office will help you to in, in that renewal process of changing your mind. That pastor will put before you God's word. So he says, pay attention. My son, attend to my words. Pay attention to my words. Then it says, no, so pay attention. Again, your attention, whatever it's on, Put it, take it off that, put it on God's word. If it's not on God's word, draw it away from that, put it on God's word. God's telling you today, pay attention like never before. The times in which we live demand that we pay attention to God's word more than ever before. Then it says now, incline your ear to my sayings. So I love that word incline. No, no, listen to what I say. I'm thinking, you know, when I was a little boy, I met sometime, my mom would, you know, say, you know, are you listening? And I'm sure they did this to me, but I was a pretty nice child, a good child, so I didn't cause too much trouble. But I, I'm sure when I said that, I thought, I can imagine them saying, are you listening? And then holding me by the ear, the earlobe here, and just making sure, are you listening? Son, boy, are you listening? Yes, mom, I'm listening. God, I can, so I can see that picture God saying, now, listen to what I'm saying. So pay attention. So stand up, listen to what I'm saying. Now I want you to listen. Give your ears to what I'm saying. So now just like how you can pay attention to something else, you can also be listening to something else. So God is telling us, will you not only pay attention, but now I want you to listen to what I have to say. Now what's implied there, you can be listening to something else that he doesn't agree with. You can be listening to something else that's not going to bring the best into your life. So today God says, listen to what I say. Don't let them depart from your eyes. So get God's word of healing. These scriptures we've been talking about. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Will you put them before your eyes? Don't let them depart from your heart. It says, for they are life to those that find them, health and healing, medicine to all their flesh. See, all of that is involved. Paying attention, putting your mind on God's word and you will experience his goodness, his fullness in your life. Pay attention. Change your mind. Change your life by paying attention to God's word, listening to what he has to say. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Get God's word into your heart and mind. Guard your time and fellowship with God. Cut out things that are not conducive to hearing God's word and his best for your life. Why? God's will for you is good. He said he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God bless you. Till next time. Thank you for joining us today on Healing for the Nations with Pastor Carl Lewis. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we encourage you to partner with us financially to continue the teaching of God's Word. To give, please write to Foundation for Life Christian Ministries or securely online at foundationforlife.ca. 
Healing for the Nations is a ministry of Foundation for Life Christian Ministries. Visit foundationforlife.ca and avail yourself of our valuable life-building resources for free. Join us next time on Healing for the Nations.